Well, g'day and welcome to the online ministry for St. Augustine's Anglican Church in Inverell. My name's Matt. It's great that you're watching with us today. Uh, this ministry has been prepared for Sunday, the 12th of March, 2023. As we begin, hear these words of scripture. From Ezekiel 36. The Lord says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. Well, these are great promises of our God, great promises that we know are fulfilled through the Lord Jesus and his spirit at work in us. And so with that in mind, we go now to a time of praise.
Let's pray as we come to hear God's word. Heavenly Father, you have taught us to express our love for you by prayer, denial of self, and works of mercy. Father, when we are discouraged by our weakness, give us confidence in your love. Father, now as we look to your word, help us to hear you speak clearly. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, our Bible readings today begin in the Old Testament with Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through to 3. Uh, Maybe you're familiar with this, uh, God's great promises, his covenant with Abraham. Uh, Then we jump to Psalm 22. Verses 25 to 31. And our New Testament reading that I'll share with us from in just a moment is from Acts, uh, starting in chapter 10, verse 1, and going all the way through to chapter 11, verse 18. Now, there's a lot there, but if you've got a bulletin, you'll see that I've broken up a little bit more. And so you might like to just read from chapter 10, verse 1 to 36, and then 10, verse 44 to 11, verse 4, and then 11, verse 17 and 18. Uh, have a pause of the video now, read that through, read it through with whoever you're watching with, and then in a minute I'll come back and share with us from this passage of scripture. Let's pray again as we come to think about God's word. Heavenly Father, we ask that in this moment you would be helping us to see what you want us to see and respond in the right ways, helping us to see what you are doing throughout the world, and doing throughout our churches. Amen. The 9th of November, 1989, was one of the happiest days of my life. I wonder, uh, do you know who might have said those words? It wasn't me. No, 9th of November, 1989. This was the day when the Eastern Germany, when Eastern Germany opened its borders, right? When the great uh, Berlin Wall, the division it caused, was being undone. Now, history and our popular media are filled with all kinds of other stories of division, aren't they? Right? Usually it's the case where it's got some kind of division that's trying to be overcome. And so for the story of, of Greece, of Pride and Prejudice, West Side Story, they're all kind of built on this with so many others. There's some kind of great obstacle or hurdle that needs to be overcome between people And there's usually a point in the story where it seems like this obstacle is just too great. It's not going to be overcome. For the Berlin Wall, many people in East Germany and West Germany, for that matter, felt like they would never see the day when when that division is broken down. And if you were a first century Jew, that's probably the way that you thought about the division between Jews and Gentiles also. Because for for Jews, Gentiles were, they were were everyone else. They were people who were considered unclean, according to the Old Testament. But then, you have to wonder, how does that fit in with God's expansive mission or purposes in the world that Acts is all about? How does it fit with God's good news of Jesus going out to the nations? Well, in in these next two chapters of Acts now, 10 and 11, we see that like the Berlin Wall, God smashes the divisions between people to pieces. Why? Well, because firstly, God's gospel mission is expansive. It's not limited to people, by who people are or where they are even. The gospel message is one of salvation for everyone, regardless of ethnicity, uh, culture or background. And one of the most striking things we see about the events we read here is the way that all the pieces now fit together. 
there's two visions and they lead to a series of events and God is just bringing them all together in a way that dovetails so well. Now, the first vision we see uh, is that of a man we meet called Cornelius. Uh, We see him in verse 1. Have a look with me. Acts 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Now, what does that mean? That means he's a worshipper of the God of Israel, but he's not a full convert to Judaism. And by Jewish laws, he was still considered unclean. But God now meets him in a vision. And in the vision, God sends an angel and the angel says to him, hey, you need to go find this guy named Peter and bring him back. And so what does Cornelius do? He responds immediately, sends men out to find him. Meanwhile, then, we come to vision number two. And verse nine, we find it's the next day. Cornelius says, men, they're on the way to find Peter. And Peter's given a vision by God while he's up on a rooftop praying. Look at verse 11 with me. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet was being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter responds, surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything unclean or impure. Now, if you were a Jew back then, if you were a Jew in the Old Testament period, that would have been the kind of response you would give, you'd give when someone offers you a certain kind of animal to eat. Because God had declared back in Leviticus that some foods were clean and some foods were unclean. Now, for example, cows, sheep, fish, you could eat those, they were clean. But camels, pigs, shellfish, you couldn't eat those, they were considered unclean. And the list keeps going on and on. And now, God didn't tell them that to consider certain animals clean and unclean, especially unclean because there was something wrong with them or because they were physically unclean. No, no, these were just part of, these were ceremonial laws and they were all part of the the, uh, Old Testament Hebrew sacrificial system. The sacrificial system, ultimately, it didn't deal with people's sins before God, but it was designed to teach Israel the reality of their sin before God. And especially to teach them how holiness and uncleanness are absolutely incompatible together. That is, our uncleanness because of sin is incompatible with God's perfect holiness. But for them, the good news was that the the effects of sin could be dealt with by the payment of a life. And as you listen, you might know where I'm going with this, right? The rules about cleanness and uncleanness, including animals and people, they weren't designed to be a permanent fixture in life. Rather, they were a way to point Israel forward to their need for Jesus, their need of a saviour. But if you're a Jew, like Peter, this whole system of clean and unclean, it's, it's so ingrained in your head and that's what God wanted it to be. But you can understand then why he responds the way that he does in verse 14. Surely not, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now, when it comes to inappropriate responses to God, uh, we read the Gospels and we know that Peter, 
He's got plenty of runs on the board. But listen to his listen to the response he gets in verse 15 from God. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, for us as we as we've already read the whole story, we won't be surprised to to know the lesson that God wants Peter to learn here. But he hasn't understood it yet. What he has to learn is that it's no longer appropriate to apply the distinction of clean and unclean to either food or people. And like one of our own sometimes frustratingly persistent nightmares, this vision comes back to Peter again and again. Three times he gets it. And while Peter's still there thinking and wondering, what is this all about? Uh, God's perfect timing. Cornelius's men turn up looking for him. And, and they tell him of Cornelius's vision. And so then in verse 23 to 27, the next day, Peter and some of the other uh, Jewish Christians there, they go with him to Cornelius's house. And what they find is a whole bunch of people waiting there for them. And, and looking around and seeing all these people, Peter says in verse 28, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Now it seems, it seems that Peter has now understood the meaning of this vision that God has given him. God is bringing Peter from being a man of his own culture to a man of God's vast kingdom. Even so, uh, the truth revealed in the vision still hasn't entirely dawned on him. Uh, at the start of Acts, Peter was the most opportunistic uh, evangelist you've ever seen, right? Someone opens the door, a little crack, and he would jump in sharing the story and the good news of Jesus. But here, look how he, he responds. Verse 29, he says, May I ask why you sent for me? He recognizes, uh, perhaps like in Mark chapter 7, that as Jesus says, nothing external can make you unclean. So he goes, okay, it's all right for me to be in the house of a Gentile. But it hasn't, it hasn't yet occurred to Peter that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is also a gospel for the Gentiles. He thought it was only for Jews. And he says, why did you send for me? And in verse 33, then Cornelius, Cornelius basically says, well, Duh, so that you could come and tell us all the things that God wants you to tell us. And it's in this moment then, that for Peter, the penny really drops. Have a look at verse 34. Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And as we keep reading down then, we see that Peter proceeds to preach basically a three-point sermon. Firstly, verses 37 to 38, the life of Jesus. Then 39 to 41, Jesus' death and resurrection, of which he himself is a witness. And then finally, in verses 42 and 43, he preaches the coming judgment of Jesus but that forgiveness of sins is available through faith in him. And while he's still speaking, 
God is at work. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard this message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Well, what does it mean here that the Holy Spirit is poured out on them? It means that God's opened, opened their eyes. The same irresistible grace that we saw at work in Saul's life last week is now also captivating their hearts, the hearts of these Gentiles, these people who were previously not part of God's Old Testament covenant promises. And yet God doesn't wait for Peter to finish speaking. He doesn't tie it up with a bow. No, no, he interrupts. God, God's declared that his gospel is going to the nations. And in this moment, he said, this is happening right now. Now in November 1989, uh, the Germans who first heard about the breaking of the Berlin Wall Division, they, um, they said that the news came suddenly, almost as if it was by accident and coincidental. Now, God's mission purposes of salvation to the nations through the name of Jesus. This is sudden. It is sudden for Peter to realise it anyway. But it's not by accident. It's not by chance. Not on God's part. And... Nothing ever is, is it? This is what Jesus told them would happen from the very start of Acts, Acts chapter 1. I mean, back then, Jesus said to Peter and the other apostles, he said, you will be my witnesses, 1 verse 8, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it sounds as if Peter's heard this in Acts 1 and gone, great, salvation to Jews in the ends of the earth. No, no, this is to all people. And it's also not a change in the plans that God had all along either. Right? If you read the Old Testament reading, Genesis 12, you would have heard God's promises to Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 3, how does it finish? All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Not some people, not just Israel, not just the Jews. All peoples will be blessed through you and your offspring. Now, Cornelius and his family, and the others there, they didn't need to become Jewish. They didn't need to get circumcised, despite what other people thought, because salvation is for all people through faith in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what race or ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what culture you're a part of. It doesn't matter what language you speak or where you come from. It doesn't matter your social status. The message of salvation through Jesus is for all people. And so here, God's help, God helps Peter make this great leap over the enormous barrier in his own thinking. God's purpose is that all people should hear the gospel and be saved. Now, the gospel is that Jesus came to die so that my sin, so that your sin could be dealt with. And the good news of the gospel is that once we put our faith in him as our saviour, then our sin will be wiped away before God. God will wash us clean. And we now have, if that's us, we now have new life and a new relationship with God, the Heavenly Father, right now. And so here, God is directing Peter to press beyond the fringe, to cross racial, cultural and religious boundaries in his evangelistic concern. And so, as we reflect on Peter, it's worth reflecting on ourselves. What about us? When does our own prejudice get in the road of sharing the gospel with others? 
the, the differences other people have from us make us tempted to, to sit back and go, you know what, I'll let someone else share Jesus with that person, someone who's more like them. Or do we think, even subconsciously, that, you know what, this person, they probably won't respond to the gospel of Jesus. Now, maybe we don't think in categories of clean and unclean anymore, but does it perhaps show out in the way that we actually treat other people? You see, God's gospel, God's gospel is amazing, right? It's for all people. And I think that we need to let this story of Peter here challenge our hearts and our attitudes towards others. Like Peter, we need to move from being people of our own culture to being people of God's kingdom. And notice also that Cornelius here, he's a, he's a God-fearing. He's a good, he's a, he's a respectable man. But he's still not right with God. He still needs to hear the gospel of Jesus and be forgiven. And I think we need to be careful as well not to let our, uh, the way we see people uh, blind us. Perhaps we see people as, this is a good person. This person knows God. But what this person, whether it be our friends or our family, what they really need is a relationship with Jesus. Like Cornelius, they need him to take away their sins. They need him to find forgiveness with God. God has an expansive heart for the lost. It's a heart that includes people from all nations. And I hope that even two weeks ago, as we heard from Margie and Andy Newman, that as they shared, it was a challenge to our hearts. Do you think that they get it? Do you think that Margie and Andy know that the gospel is for people of all nations? Well, as we keep reading on now, we see that although God has smashed the division between people in, in Peter's head at least, it wasn't yet the case for the rest of the early church. And so as we keep reading through, uh, we see that not only is God's mission expansive, but God has an expansive church as well. He leads his church to hurdle its prejudices so that all people can be welcomed in. Now look with me at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard, who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Right? They didn't realize that other people could have the Holy Spirit as well. They didn't realize that other people could come to have a genuine faith and relationship with Jesus. But they certainly couldn't deny it now because they had seen the work of the Holy Spirit in, on them immediately. And so Peter says in verse 47, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. And just like the Jewish Christians, they'd received the Holy Spirit, these Gentiles. They'd come to faith in Jesus. And now they're being baptized. Baptism, which is uh, both an outward expression of personal repentance and turning to God. But it also signifies a new relationship, a new relationship within the church that they too are united with Christ in his death and his resurrection, and so are united with the rest of his body. But of course, it's, it's still not all smooth sailing from there, though, is it? No, what Peter now knows, the rest of the church needs to see as well. And so we come to chapter 11. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, 
you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, notice their concern here. Their concern isn't that these Gentiles have put their faith in Jesus. Their concern is that Peter is going and eating and staying with them. It's almost as if they're saying, we don't mind if Gentiles are Christians, but they're not part of our church. Now, the prejudice Peter had in chapter 10 still remains for the Jewish Christians here. They don't truly understand God's expansive purposes. And so, uh, verses 5 down to 15, Peter goes on to replay that whole incident for them. We're not going to read it together, but the crux of it comes in verse 15. Verse 15, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he came on us at the beginning. Now, the point that Peter is trying to make here is that in God's purpose, they are no different to us. They have not had a different kind of experience than we have. In fact, it was the same as our Pentecost experience. That's what he's saying. And as the Holy Spirit allowed the apostles at Pentecost in Acts 2 to speak in other languages... So now the Gentiles are also speaking in other, in other languages uh, by the power of that same Holy Spirit. This is the, the Gentile Pentecost, if you will. And I think that two things are going on at this point. Now, number one, that this is practical in God's expansive mission plan. That is, uh, just as at the first Pentecost, uh, the apostles were given the ability by the Spirit to speak in other tongues and other literally languages, so that the gospel will go out, so is that happening here with the Gentiles, so that they can keep telling the gospel to others of different nations, of different languages. So it's practical in one sense. But secondly, I think that this is part of God's deliberate plan to break down the dividing wall of prejudice. Now, I don't think it's just incidental that it so happened to be Peter, was the one who God chose to go there and see this, right? One of the chief apostles. No, no, no. This was important so that the rest of these Christians in the early church would see God's expansive purposes for the church as well. That is, the church is for everyone, people from all backgrounds, no matter your ethnicity, culture, language, or any social status or anything else. Now, in the second half of Ephesians chapter 2, it's, it's all about the way that God is uniting people through the death of Jesus. Now listen, to this, listen to this one verse. Ephesians 2 verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. All right, does it sound familiar? Uh, There is one universal body of Christ. We've been reconciled together. In the church, there is no Christian who is a foreigner or an alien. In him, we are being built together, all of us built together by the indwelling of his spirit. And so Peter says in verse 17 of Acts 11, So if God gave them the same gift that he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Those are powerful words. And as a result, verse 18, When they, the rest of the Christians, heard this, They had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. 
Friends, what a beautiful thing that God is doing within his church. Now, this is an important turning point in the church's life. Uh, And like Saul's conversion last week, Luke, the author, records this account for us on three different occasions. All people are to be welcomed in with the gospel. All people are to be welcomed in to Jesus' church. As Luke gives us his what's and all account of the early church, we see that for these early Christians, though they had faith in Jesus, it didn't mean that they got everything right straight away or automatically. And so it's worth considering for us where we also have room to grow in this area. Perhaps for us, we need to recognise the difference between what is simply part of our individual cultures and what is an essential part of the Christian life. Are there things about other people that make us resistant to welcome them because they're not like us? Or, to look at it from a a slightly different angle, do we impose barriers on other people coming to church? Do we have expectations that they will see things the way that we do? Do we resist people who don't dress like us, who don't speak like us, who don't value the the same things about church that we value? Are there still personal hurdles that we have to overcome in order to welcome all people as Jesus does? Well, Peter says in chapter 11, verse 17, Who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And let me be clear. To not welcome someone into church is to be standing in God's way. I wonder, if God was to fill our church tomorrow, If God was to fill it with people from all around town that represent all the different ethnicities, skin colours, cultures, social statuses that make up working class in Burrell. Like Peter, looking at that sheet lowered from heaven, would we look around at the people and say, surely not, Lord? Or would we respond like Christians in the early church in verse 18 then? Would we praise God for the way that he so wonderfully works among us, in, not just in our lives, but in the lives of all people? And would our hearts be filled with a love for our town as we see his irresistible grace at work and also remember how the, way, the way that he's worked in our lives too? Do we see as we read this God's mission or purpose? Do we see how big that is? Do we see who Jesus is for? And do we see how God is leading his church to hurdle its prejudices so that all people might come to faith in Jesus and be welcomed in to his body? Just as he's welcomed us by the life, death and resurrection of our saviour, Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that in Acts we see the way that you are indeed working around the world and working through your people. Give us eyes to see things that are barriers, things that we put up as barriers, but things that you have broken down and removed. Father, help us to see how the gospel is for all people, it's for all nations, and how the church is for all people and all nations as well. Father, Please fill our hearts with joy at the prospect that many people will come to faith in Jesus. People that are like us and people that aren't like us. Father, we pray that you would give us your heart. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well.
Let's sing the praises of our God again. Well, we have a time of prayer now. And so when that blue screen comes up in a moment, pause the video and spend some time in prayer. Uh, pray with those you're watching with. Uh, be praying for things on the screen. Be praying for uh, things in your own life and in our church life if you get our bulletin. Uh, spend some time in prayer. And then we'll go and sing to our God again.
Sister, let me wipe your tears. Brother, let me bear your fears. Come on, every daughter, every son. Let us walk in love, for we are one. Though we walk along and broken road, we are here. Let us walk in love for we are Let me finish uh, with the words I started with 
our sentence of scripture for the day. From Ezekiel 36, wonderful words that find fulfillment in Jesus. The Lord says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful thing that God is doing through us and around the world. Go in peace. We'll see you next time.